to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to crisis management, business continuity, emergency management, COVID, well-being, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only person named Alex Fullick on LinkedIn, so I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Speaking of LinkedIn, that's how I found today's guest. I'd like to welcome Business Continuity Manager, Charlene Bar- Barney. Sorry, Charlene Barney. <laughs> no worries. Early apology, Charlene. No, <clears throat> no tis be the season for, for crackly throats. Yeah, I was just about to cough when I said your name. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> How are you today? Today is a great day. It's a, It's been a busy week, and I'm I'm excited, and I'll be honest, a little bit nervous to have this conversation, but it's uh, a good day. Uh, don't be nervous. Uh, I've had uh, lots of people on the show before who have never done this type of thing before, and every single one of them enjoyed it. Fantastic. So um, I, I'm sure you will, at least I I expect you to, and uh, if not, you're going to tell me, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to talk about business continuity and client experience today, which is something that uh, is a topic that hasn't been on this show before. I'm coming up to 500 episodes, and that one has never co- cropped up before. So I'm looking forward to hearing the things you have to say. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into this crazy industry of ours? Oh, sure. Um, a little bit about me. Um, Charlene Barney, business continuity manager. Um, I have, uh, 25 years in telecommunications, tech, finance, and healthcare, primarily serving in customer and IT service management roles, operations, and business resilience. So business continuity, disaster recovery, and crisis management. Um, it's a little bit about me. Uh, currently, I serve as a continuity manager for Molina Healthcare and just looking after that continuation of care for our members and our business. So it's a little bit about me. Well, coming out of COVID, you must have been really busy for the um, last couple of years. I Well, well, actually, I got to be honest, I started with Molina um, about in May, so only a few months ago. Um, during COVID, um, I was with uh, GCI. It's a large telecommunication mm-hmm. company in Alaska. Um, so so much of the pandemic, most of the pandemic, I was serving GCI, um, which did keep us busy. And I think it, it really built, and I think we've heard this a lot in podcasts and in our industry, it really built an appreciation for that hybrid workforce or that remote mm-hmm. workforce. Um, and that distribution of service that we can offer. So, uh, and also it made us all, uh, realize we needed to brush off those pandemic plans. And there's many people that have talked about that. And we've seen a lot of posts like on LinkedIn about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so pandemic and COVID and lockdown and this new world, um, has definitely kept me busy. Well, this new world, um, certainly would have changed the client experience. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So my first question is going to be the obvious one. What's meant by client experience? Client experience. Or customer experience, I should customer say. Customer experience, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> customer experience is about the journey. So for me, in business continuity planning, I'm constantly thinking about the internal experience as well as the external experience and how both are impacted when those bad things happen. Um, In terms of business continuity planning, the customer experience or journey 
for for me is is the stakeholders that we're engaging with to um, keep involved and constantly thinking about resilience, about what we are going to do to continue operations, again, should that bad thing happen. We all play a part and uh, that impacts that customer experience. So it's the customer journey internally and externally. Do I have to be somebody, uh, this is kind of a silly question, but <clears throat> so many people interpret things differently. Do I have to be a customer by purchasing a product or service? No, um, the the customer um, is the is the person internally uh, that is uh, a part of the delivery of the product or service, and the customer is that person externally on the receiving end of that product or service. So, in my head, the customer experience is is holistic. It it sounds like a little bit of a project management in there. Yeah, there's uh, be, yeah. because I, I know from my own experience. Uh, I've worked in projects and uh, programs and been a program uh, office person that uh, um, it's stakeholder management. It's very much stakeholder management. So business continuity planning, we're dealing with those process owners, those boots on the ground that are ensuring that those mission critical processes continue when that bad thing happens. We're dealing with the executive leadership to ensure that they understand um, what their role is to play to provide that strategic direction when the bad thing happens. I probably say that um, more now than ever um, with the, the, the huge focus on business continuity planning and the realization that we're all part of, um, of that culture, you know, to, to sustain our ability to deliver the products and services. When when does the customer experience begin? Customer when, ex when does it yeah. end, or does it even end? Um, it <clears throat> it begins uh, when we're scoping, so when we're implementing the program, uh, or even refreshing a dormant program. It, it begins when we are looking at what those mission critical functions are within our organizations, um, and laying that groundwork for the relationship with those executives or those senior leaders that are helping us understand and define what those critical functions are. It, it follows with identifying who those mission critical people are within the organization that will become um, those that activate any recovery plans that build. Um, and also um, it carries to those, again, process owners that will see to the continuation of those processes. It, I don't know if it ends. I suppose when the organization ceases to exist, there's an <laughs> ending, um, you know, uh, but you, you continue to keep that relationship and that um, experience alive. You know, you're constantly, I, in my opinion, I think there's a, there's a need to constantly keep engaged. So the beginning again is, is the, is scoping the, the, the program and establishing that relationship with um, program sponsors or executive leadership. And then it carries through the relationships you build with those owners of critical functions and processes. Any suggestions on how to maintain that? Because we we mentioned the word project, you know, or and you even said that sometimes um, reinitiating or, or jump starting, you know, maybe a stalled program. How do you keep that updated, knowing that in many organizations, there's change is constant, new projects come on board or acquisitions and things like that. So the customer, I, I I'm I'm envisioning a customer list will constantly be changing. Oh, how do you keep it? How do you keep it uh, fresh? I, I think it's establishing that steering committee and and having those again those relationships where you're reporting um, into a group to one let them know about the health of your program and what you're finding as you're um, building plans or testing plans. But then two that steering committee that's feeding you um, information about how the organization is changing or upcoming products and services that may be offered. Um, the, in terms of information, how, how do you keep that fresh? Um, there are feeds into business continuity management systems that are helpful. 
Um, there's also, uh, you know, that that reach out that your business continuity planners could be doing um, to to capture or gather that information. Um, textbook, you know, says, you know, like best standards, um, you know, say, refresh the program as the or the plan as business changes. Well, how do you do that? Again, it's keeping that constant connection, um, that relationship. So it's not just checking a box. We don't, you know, we have requirements to comply to, to check a box and have a business continuity plan in place. But it goes way beyond that. It's establishing that relationship as well as um, having those that you have established the relationship with, having them carry your message about resilience into their teams, sharing the plan with them, making sure everybody in the in the org knows what to do, how to respond when the bad thing happens to recover and resume operations without delay and effectively. How can organizations, because you mentioned, you know, there are systems that uh, can be put in place. You know, I, I'm assuming you meant applications. Yeah, uh, applications. Applications. So I'm assuming um, that if, if you have an application, sure, you can tie things together. Um, but let's face it, you know, some of those, they're not cheap. And no, you know, no. small and medium-sized business businesses can't afford that kind of thing. So how can you kind of go about to establish some of those um, the network and the, the the connections that you reference. Um, any ideas on how you can do that so that you you don't miss customers? You know. Yeah, I I think about the small and medium sized businesses a lot, or even organ. I I prefer to say organizations because we have um, we have organizations, churches, schools public entities um, mm -hmm. that may not have dedicated business continuity planning programs in place. And I think it's a matter of taking initiative to use the tools that are available, as well as um, setting up a cadence to check that information, talk about what you're going to do and test and yeah. again, carry on that conversation. You don't need a $50,000 business continuity management system if you're a small to medium-sized business. You need, maybe maybe it's an Excel spreadsheet, maybe it's a Word doc, but it's also the commitment and investment to do it. Um, mm -hmm. The realization that we all are, are we all are a part of the continuation of what it is that we're doing. So it's, yeah, so it, it's a matter of doing it. It's, yeah, you don't need a, a large BCMS or business continuity management system to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounded like you were talking a little bit about culture. Oh, culture all day long, culture all day long. <laughs> really, if, if we're not, if, if all of us, um, even in our personal lives, are not thinking about what plan B is going to be, for um, those things, those those needed resources, um, those things we need um, to do what we do or have what we have that is most important to us. Um, if we're not thinking about that just on a day-to-day -day personal level, even your health, you know, what are you doing to be resilient today to show up, be strong, be ready and, and go when the bad thing mm -hmm. happens, you know, for yourself personally, for your family, for your job, and then at the end of the day, for the customer. How about uh, what, what does col a good culture mean, especially business continuity uh, management culture, mean from a vendor or a, a external partner's perspective? What does that do for them? Because they would be a customer, right? Yeah. Uh, how, how important is it to have a good culture and so that they don't feel as though they're just how do I put that? Kind of like being used. Oh, you, you know, we're just making money off of you, or you're just here to do this, and you know, about yeah. anything else. How important is that connection? I think that culture. Once you embed that culture, that mindset, that everybody is thinking about what Plan B is, should they face disruption. Once you embed that, when those people in your organization show up at the table to initiate a service, they're going to be looking for the same from the vendor. And they're going to be asking, okay, great. 
this is a great product or service. Now tell me what you're going to do if your facilities fail, if the technology you depend on to give us this product or service fails, what are you going to do? Tell me, you know, uh, if you lose your people, um, if you face a pandemic, how are you going to continue to do this? Because when we're receiving third party services as an organization, um, it's so easy to, to sign the contract, get it in, get everybody excited and businesses rolling and your products or your services are even better. But when that fails, you know, you really got to think about um, and also the culture. If you show up at the table and you're thinking about um, what those plan B's are for that vendor, um, you'll be expecting it. You'll be looking for it. And, and hopefully you'll establish escalation and communication procedures, um, you know, to to continue should they fail. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't wouldn't some of those conversations be tough and difficult? Because you may not want to um, convey anything that you're doing in your organization to a point, and neither might they. So mm. how, how do you kind of give and take so that people are happy without giving away, you know, all the details and your, your secrets. Maybe it's a non-disclosure agreement. Maybe um, there's a contract in place that says, Hey, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my secret sauce and you can share your secret sauce. Um, and then we may consider signing on the dotted line. Mm -hmm. So it, it could be um, you, you safeguard your secret sauce with an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement. Um, it could be that uh, that they they provide you just some redacted information from the plans that they have in place. The proof is in the pudding when when you do go into business with them, and the bad thing happens and they don't have those contingencies. It's then that you really need to hold them accountable, setting up control mm -hmm. action plans and following up and considering probably alternate vendors um, and really looking at, you know, what is the expiration date of that service agreement? What about, uh, what are some of the key things that organizations get wrong when it comes to the customer experience, internal and external? I know you've um, what, kind of hinted a few along the way. Yeah, what do they get wrong? Um, probably from from an internal customer experience, um, not scoping, you know, saying, oh, okay, well, we need to have a business continuity plan. Let's just willy-nilly, so to say, um, start building plans for each department or or each um each I don't know, uh, line of business that only touches the product or service. Um, and it, it, it's, it's in the implementation. So if, if they're not getting wrong, if, if we're not sitting down to really understand what is mission critical, what the risks are, what our risk appetite is, setting risk rating skills to effectively quantify and qualify impacts, um, whether it be a financial impact, a customer impact, legal operational impact. If we're not setting those things up right up front, we're not going to be able to establish a really good roadmap and rules to, to set our program up to play out. Um, so, so I think from an internal um, customer experience, it, it's not setting up um, or scoping the implementation of the program. Along with that, internal customer experience, you know, what can we get wrong without scoping? We're not establishing the relationships that we need to support mm. our program. Um, not scoping, you know, we're not having that conversation with those executive leaders. We're not establishing a steering committee. We're not setting up, um, you know, just bare bones, key performance indicators to measure the health of the program we're building. Um, so I really think it's not not really appropriately or, or like um, methodically uh, implementing from an external customer experience um, from a business continuity planning perspective. Um, if we're not, uh, what are we getting wrong? If mm -hmm. we're not if we're not going through the implementation and we're not setting up um, a, a really organized program, 
at the end of the day, we're not going to have the plans in place to continue to deliver those products and services that may be necessary or even understand what those risks are um, or be even be able to, to report on what those risks are. Now, I, you mentioned KPI and metrics. Yeah. So now I've got to ask a question about that. <laughs> How do you go about measuring customer experience? Because I remember uh, from my long, long time ago, days in the hospitality industry, you would have customers come in, you you buy a steak or whatever the case may be. Uh, they would leave. They were all happy. But you'd find out later on they weren't. So, oh. but, you know, there's there was no way. The only way to measure that was through word of mouth back then. So considering all the tools we have today, how do you measure customer experience and where do you measure along that path? Where do we measure along the path? So um, one, there's a number of ways that I think you can measure the customer experience. So if we're talking about the customer being our internal stakeholders for business continuity planning, the, the plan owners, the process owners, um, I, I think that it's a matter of uh, survey. So after perhaps a tabletop exercise, you've you've gone through the BIA, you've developed the plan, you've executed the tabletop exercise, um, you throw them a survey, what was effective? What can we um, do better? Um, what are the gaps that you saw? Um, I, I think that's one way. The other way is measuring the health of the program by dates. So um, these are through scoping, we identify all the plans that we want to build. Um, did we did we build those plans within X period of time or by required expiration date um, or approval date? Uh, like, kind of like a milestone. Yeah, milestone. So, 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 for instance, if if we are to refresh a business continuity plan on an annual basis, we want to um, have milestones in place. Um, to know that one, we have, we started on that BIA perhaps three months prior to the plan annual expiration date um, with the miles, another milestone. We have started to build that plan um, maybe two months prior to the expiration date. And if we haven't, we're in the red. And also if we haven't gotten that plan approval, maybe even two weeks, I hate to, hate to uh, go up to the, to the, ex, you know, right up to the expiration date, mm -hmm. but then we're definitely in the red, you know? So, so I do think that, that there are milestones you can set. Um, another way to, to assess the quality of your program is um, how many people are engaged within your organization? You know, we have so many opportunities, uh, the, you know, whether it's a, a preparedness fair, you know, hosting a preparedness fair, getting those messages out through the intranets or through newsletters or through HR and our frontline managers. Um, you know, how many people are engaged? And I think you can get a feel for it. Um, yeah. So. Is, is it simply as, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, customer experience is red, yellow, green, or is it better to kind of, scale it along the lines of their maturity, how well they're doing you know, one finance, let's say, yeah, they've documented everything. They're, they're doing everything and they're fantastic. And then one other group is, you know, maybe two, three months behind. So do, do you kind of measure them the same or, or measure them in a way that kind of says who's uh, delivering and who's not delivering, who's at risk, and who's hopefully is not as much as ri at risk if something occurs. Do you kind of take that kind of a perspective into account? Yeah. So, um, so I, I think in terms of of the maturity of, of plans in place for those critical functions, um, I, I think you definitely have to consider that as well as any um, items you're looking to control. So and and how how close you are to closing those to you know effectively respond and recover um, should something happen. Um, so I, I think you bear that in mind. But for regulated industries, it, it could be a green, yellow, red. 
Um, we may mm -hmm. need to um, have a plan in place by X period of date to meet some regulatory requirement. Um, you know, that that's definitely checking a box measurement, mm -hmm. you know, which drives me crazy. But I think <laughs> it, it does. It just drives oh, me crazy. I, I agree. I agree completely. I, a culture of resilience <laughs> is so important. And a part, a part of that uh, culture of resilience is admitting that we have gaps, is admitting that we have things that we need to control and being okay with that and being open and transparent about it. So, um, you know, I, I think when we're showing uh, we are taking uh, we're taking steps, uh, measured steps to close those gaps. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think that, that we were probably, um, a little more honest as well as, um, looking, the, uh, showing really showing that improvement, um, to, to mature those plans that, that may not be as, um, in depth or ready to respond to recover when the bad thing happens. Okay. On that note, we've come to the end of our first segment. Today, we are talking with Charlene Barney about BCM and the customer experience. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Not enough women are talking about money. Lisa Chastain is aiming to change that. If you are feeling uncertain with your financial decisions, join us on Real Money, Mondays at 10 a.m. on the Voice America Business Channel, where you will learn how to become more capable with your financial choices. Listen in and hear stories from other women on how they tackled their financial challenges. You will learn from leading industry experts all the tips, tricks, and advice that you need to establish financial confidence and freedom. Listen in Mondays on Real Money with Lisa Chastain. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, Small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Charlene Barney about BCM and the customer experience. Charlene, great first uh, segment. There are lots of inf interesting information and perspectives, and some I can honestly say have not been said on the show before regarding customer experience. So thank you very much for that. Now, let's move to focus a little bit on BCM itself. And I know you have some opinions on the life cycle. So yeah. can you explain uh, to some of our listeners who are around the globe, the BCM life cycle? Absolutely. Um, I have a passion for it. I think it's incredibly important. So the business continuity life cycle, it, it's, uh, it starts with the implementation of your program. It's very important, as I mentioned earlier, to scope the program, to understand, you know, work with executive leaders, those senior leaders to understand 
what the mission critical pro uh, functions are within the organization. Understand what is mission critical? What do we, if it was leveled today, what would we have to, you know, stand up? Tap into understanding what are, what those senior leaders think the top risks are. Where should we really be setting our sights to to plan for in terms of building recovery strategies and plans, business continuity plans, as well as um, in implementation, you're setting um, the risk or understanding what the risk appetite is, um, understanding what your risk scales will be um, to, to capture impacts to business should processes not be able to be performed. So risk scale could be um, anything from minor to catastrophic. You know, what is mm. minor? What is a minor financial risk? What is um, a uh, minor customer risk, legal risk, operational risk to significant catastrophic, et cetera? So you're setting up the, the risk, understanding the risk appetite, as well as establishing the risk scales, um, and as well as establishing your steering committee. You know, who are you going to be um, rolling the information up to about the establishment or the implementation of the program. So implementation. So the, the life cycle implementation is the first bit. The next bit after you- I, I have a question oh, about, yeah, about that. Sorry. Sorry. What if executives turn around and say, this is what we expect? Oh, um, this How is what we expect. How do you manage that? Well, what is, what is, what is this is what we expect? Um, uh, so- you know, if, if if a senior leader is is in the room and we're talking about, you know, what is critical within your area? Um, what are your top risks? And the senior leader comes back and this is what I expect. I expect you to only take 30 minutes of my people's time and, you know, <laughs> we're going to we're going to, you know, just make it quick and easy and we're going to get that plan in place and we're, we're going to do our day to day business outside of that. Um, then it's a matter of having them understand the importance of having plans in place to continue operations, right? Um, communicating to them the the possible threats. You know, we're in a very busy world right now. Having them understand, um, according, you know, listening to their what they consider as a top risk, uh, having them understand um, or, or, yeah, realize, uh, the the need to have plans to address what they find to be those top risks, what's keeping them up at night. Um, it's building that relationship, uh, having them know that you're there to uh, protect the livelihoods of the people that work for their organization. You're there to protect the experience of the customers receiving the products and services being delivered. Um, so, so, you know, when the leader comes back and says, well, this is not exactly what I expected. Um, it's, it's having an honest and open conversation about the necessity to have these plans in place. Good example, pandemic. You know, a lot of us in the business continuity niche, um, we went forward and we were planning for loss of facilities and loss of technology. And we, you know, had that boilerplate pandemic mm -hmm. plan on the shelf and it was dusty and we didn't talk about it a lot. You know, um, we, we really can't plan for everything, but we can plan for our key loss at areas at least. So we can plan for the loss of facility, technology, vendors, our people, you know, and, and it's just a matter of having them understand, you know, that we need to do that. The implementation piece, you know, that you get, I think, I think we face resistance. We, we do, um, the, the company, uh, you know, or the organization. So it could be that public sector or whatever, the small to medium sized group, whoever, um, you know, we're, we're always looking to do what we do. You know, mm. we're, we're going to, we, we showed up to, to do the payroll. We showed up to do the HR. We showed up to talk to the customer, but we didn't show up to sit down, build a plan if we couldn't do those things generally, you know, right. it's, it's usually in the back of the people's mind, but now in this busy world, it really is front and center. 
extremely front and center, the personal resilience, the professional resilience is so important. It could be wellness. It could be, um, you know, what am I doing to make sure I'm healthy to go forward mentally, physically, emotionally? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can go on forever, it's, but implementation, keep first part of the life cycle. It's kind of getting them to like with them, get the uh, what's in it for me, get them yeah. to understand what's in it for them. Yeah. You know, um, they're going to benefit. What's his name? Um, the Y guy, uh, Simon. Oh, it's going to drive me. Uh, the Y guy. For anybody who listens to this podcast, um, I guess Google Y and Simon. Um, I can't think of his name right now. But the point is to your point, what's in it for me? Why, why am I here? Why should I do this? You know, help them understand, put it in their hand, help them see it. Um, very, very, very important. And I, you know, we all want to succeed. Nobody wants to fail. Nobody shows up to fail. We mm-hmm. all are in it to win it. So, uh, implementation scope, um, establish what is, what is mission critical, your risk, um, appetite scales, um, steering committee and the layout of the program. Um, so yeah, BIA. BIA, so business impact analysis, it's a matter of understanding what are the mission critical processes within the organization. So um, maybe for mission critical process, let's say a church, or maybe I don't know, it's just an example, mission critical process is um, is keep the doors open. You want your practitioners to be able to come in through the door and sit in the seats to hear whatever good message is going to come out, right? So a mission critical process there is your facilities people. You know, you want to capture in the BIA, what are the mission critical processes within the organization? Um, then you want to identify what the resources are that are needed to perform the mission critical process. If you're a large corporation, maybe it's your customer service department. Um, what do those customer service people need to take those phone calls? Um, what technology, facilities, vendors you're dependent upon to perform, you know, have that process in place. And then capturing what the impacts to the organization are or is um, should those people not perform those mission critical processes. It's a business impact assessment, right? So what is the impact to our organization should these processes not be fulfilled? And, um, and you know, capturing that information in that moment in time. There's great debate on if the BIA should be performed. Um, Adaptive BC, great book out there. So that's another thing to Google. Um, there's there's a whole conversation on if a BIA should be performed, business impact analysis. Um, I, I think it's pretty important personally. Uh, and uh, I'd love to have that conversation with, with anybody. Um, but nonetheless, you're, again, establishing mission-critical processes, the tools needed to perform that process, and the impacts to the business should the process not be performed. The next step in the life cycle is the plan build. And this is where the rubber meets the road. So you've identified, you've you've met with your senior leaders, they're tapped in, they're excited, you're, you know, you have your implementation, you know, all scoped out, ready to go. Now, you know, you've sat down with their people and you're, you've documented, it's a data gathering, really documented um, all those mission critical processes, people, facilities, technology, vendors, and that BIA, I just want to go back to how important the BIA is. That's kind of the center point of your continuity program. All that data that you're capturing, it's feeding into crisis management plans, third, uh, third-party risk management programs, uh, emergency response program. Yeah. It's feeding so much. Um, I, I think yeah. that's something that, you know, people that do, whether you do a BIA or not, or some form of it, I think people forget that point is that the information you do get from a BIA, however you do it, doesn't get utilized enough in other areas. It just gets utilized and focused just for a BCP. But to your point, it can go and be used in so many other different spots. Oh, my gosh. There is so much. You can identify redundancy. I hate to say that. You know, maybe I shouldn't. Redundancy, actually, in our world is a very big thing. Because here's a good example of redundancy. I collected all these critical um, systems that are used by the people performing the process, right? The systems. Well, I'm also capturing 
recovery time objectives, you know, what that maximum tolerable downtime is for the systems they depend on. And I'm going to take that chunk of change or that good piece of data, and I'm going to relay it to my IT folks to make sure they understand how that system is used and they have enough information to have good disaster recovery or technology DR plans in place for that application to be ready to be used when that critical process needs it. So to your point, that BIA and that data, ooh, it's it's what are you without it? You know, and it's my opinion, and there's a whole debate about it. But I love that debate. But um, yeah, so so then, you know, you have all this data from that BIA, you're going to sit down with those process owners and those people that are going to own and be responsible for the plan. And you're going to sit down and you're going to say, hey, um, if your resources that you said you depend on, your facilities, technology, people, vendors, and in today's hybrid workforce, so importantly, what people will do if they lose power or connectivity while working at home, we have all this information. Sorry, I just kind of digressed with that. This was a light bulb. But, you know, we sit down and we say, well, what are you going to do? What's your plan B? What is your plan B for these key loss areas? And, and, you know, maybe you don't, you can't, you can't plan for every event, but you can plan for key loss areas. It's just, it's just something I, I kind of, you know, put my stake mm -hmm. in the sand on key loss areas, plan for it. And uh, maybe, maybe you don't develop a script and I'm kind of big on that. Don't develop a script, but develop the prompts, document the prompts that people should look to, um, to continue operations or that process um, when they lose those resources. So example, um, uh, if, if you have a key technology like a Salesforce or a phone system, you know, what is the manual workaround? If, if that tool's not available, what is the alternate system? Um, are there are there other other groups in the organization that uh, could do it? You know, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm totally getting deep in that. But also, not only recovery strategies when you're doing the plan build, it's opportunity to share and and talk about the incident response. So the notification of an incident can come from any direction. It could be um, for that process, person performing the process, maybe they witnessed the event, their neighbor tells them about it, or they got that notification from the mass notification system, like the Everbridge or the SendWord Now. You know, what are they going to do when they get that information? Should they be calling the manager? Should they be reporting it somewhere? You know, what are they supposed to do? And then what is the the, the leadership team? What are they going to do? What is the cadence of meetings they're going to set up to make sure people, one, are available? You need to know who your workforce is. Are they available? And then also um, what's to go on the backlog? And then when, um, the, when or if they'll activate the plan or ready to close out the plan. So incident mm -hmm. recovery strategies, incident response, and lastly, an opportunity to build out um, contact rosters, you know, build out a business recovery team for that critical process. Who are those? Who's going to be your team leader to make sure that these recovery strategies are executed? Who is the, who are the key members that you need to execute those recovery strategies? Create rosters for internal critical contacts that you don't, if your phone fell in, in, oh, terrible. If your phone fell in the, the flood water, you know, Hurricane Ian. You were going to say the toilet, weren't you? I yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so the, it's a great opportunity. So the plan builds. So you started with the implementation. You have the leadership um, engagement. You've done the business impact analysis. You understand what it is that you need to protect and continue doing to deliver products and services. And then it's the building of the plan to do that, to continue to provide the business uh, products and services or the organization product and service um, should you face the disruption and then test it at nauseum, at nauseum. And you know, testing, it doesn't have to be this huge uh, behemoth activity. Um, make it fun, keep people engaged, mm -hmm. have aliens come and abduct your people, you know, have an earthquake scenario, um, maybe, excuse me, have a mock disaster exercise where you set up, you know, a deck, a PowerPoint deck. You set up a quick 60-minute meeting. 
you have a PowerPoint deck. It says we had an earthquake. Where's your plan? What are you doing? Who's communicating what? What what strategy are we going to execute? Poke holes in it. And then in the middle of that earthquake scenario, have some aliens sweep in and abduct people. This for the the mock disaster uh, presentation. Just make it fun. You know, put some injects in there that that catch people off guard, breaks the ice and really opens people up to talk about um, the 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 possibility of loss. And then lastly, maintaining the program. So implementation, BIA, build your plan, test that plan. And then what are you doing to maintain that plan? We talked about earlier um, about measurement. Um, and and how are you getting information um, as business changes? You know, keeping that that channel open, one, to receive the information should business change and um, make people aware that we may need to update this living document. It's not one and done. This is um, like any other procedure may change and we may need to update it if business changes. Keep that channel open. And then um, to the measurement point, have those um, KPIs in place to make sure you're meeting the goals um, or those milestones that we talked about earlier um, when you're implementing and establishing the program. Got on a pulpit, got excited <laughs> about the life cycle. Yeah. You, you mentioned this word a couple of times, engagement. Yeah. Through all those different uh, life cycle phases, how do you keep internal and external customers engaged throughout the whole thing how do you keep them interested you may have got their interest at the beginning when you were talking about implementation but some depending on your organization that could take a couple of years to go through how do you keep them engaged through that whole thing i think it's the um keeping continual awareness that we all need um to be resilient um so that said um it's training and awareness as well as planning so first on the training and awareness point um, embedding yourself within the organization, um, maybe again, I mentioned it earlier, perhaps it's a preparedness fair and during business continuity week. So there's a BCA, business continuity awareness week held by, um, business continuity institute. I think it's the bci.org. Um, but business continuity awareness week is a great opportunity to set up a week of maybe it's virtual meetings, um, just quick lunch and learns to share preparedness information, um, with your staff, prepare, uh, excuse me, um, present, uh, what your program is doing to have strategies in place, um, present what your relationship is with your community partners. So those at the state emergency management office, what are you doing with them? You know, have them come talk to have the Red Cross come and talk, have people from Stop the Bleed come talk. So using um, awareness weeks and lunch and learns to share information about preparedness, keeping the the idea of resilience, the ability to bounce back at the forefront of everybody's mind, having you know training and awareness opportunities, um, a lunch and learns, another training and awareness opportunity to have it at the forefront is in maybe a monthly newsletter or a tip on your internet, uh, you know, home site. Um, maybe it's using your HR department to give information to their to supervisors to give to teams um, about resilience. Um, so <clears throat> training and awareness, as well as those exercise. So when we do the exercise at the end of it, we typically have key stakeholders in the room. Well, at the end of it, you know, offer, offer, hey, can we come to your teams and share, you know, can we do a little exercise for in your team meeting? Can we share about what we're doing in our program? Um, I think it, it, keeping resilience, business resilience at the forefront of everybody's mind through training and awareness uh, programs, I, I think is key. The other part was um, training and awareness. And then um, I rambled so much, Alex, I forgot the question. Um, <laughs> How do you keep everyone engaged? How do you keep everyone external? engaged? Planning was my other point. I think when you're um, implementing the program and you're scoping it, you're also building out um, what the templates are going to be, what the process is for your business continuity team to execute the, the continuity life cycle, um, keep it clear and consistent and give people what they will, uh, make sure people understand and um, 
build an expectation, make people understand and have a set expectation as to what they will receive. So again, through those setting those processes, setting up those templates, um, and don't make it stale, make it fun, make it engaging. Um, you know, nobody, nobody wants to come to, nobody wants a bad experience. You know, nobody wants to come to a meeting or, or get on a phone call, even call customer service line. When you hear that guy with the monotone voice and, I'm just <laughs> the box and you know, who wants yeah. that? You know, keep, keep people engaged. I, I, it's an active, um, investment that, that organizations have to, to delve into to make it happen, to build a culture of resilience. We have two minutes left. If someone's having problems with their uh, their their customers, internal or external, with regards to business continuity, what are a couple of quick things they might start doing differently now? Talk to them. Talk to people. Um, let them know the importance to have the plan B. Um, have them see um, or realize uh, what it could be if they're not planning help them understand, help them get their talk to them, be open, honest, as well as um, make sure you're organized in your approach. Um, having that set, what is our process? What is our template? What are we doing? And having that all set before you engage them and then keep them, keep that conversation rolling. Again, it, it's engagement. It's it's talking to folks and, and just keeping the message reverberating in your culture. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wanted to say too, that we have to think of everyone as our customer because we're a customer to them too. You oh know, my gosh. To, to, to build uh, the dependencies and the networks like that you've alluded to quite a few times today. You know, we're, we're not separate from everybody. We are a part of the same group. Yes. Um, there, there are customers as much as we <clears throat> are of theirs. Um, so we, we are on the, the end point of their, their work that, mm-hmm. that day to day job that our stakeholders have. Um, we are dependent on ourselves for the livelihood. So we are a customer of theirs. And at the end of the day, um, especially for critical infrastructure or those big healthcare companies or those big important life dependency pieces we have in our, in our world, um, Uh, It's so important that we're all thinking about what we're doing Mm -hmm. um, to continue on should something bad happen. We're all, we all should be thinking about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On that note, we've come to the end of the show. Charlene, thank you very much. See, it wasn't so bad for your first time doing this. I I appreciate the patience and uh, hopefully there's something in there for someone. So Uh, there were a few quite a few nuggets in there. So I I, I'm sure it. people will be able to pick, pick out what works best for them, especially the tips at the end there. So I'm sure um, there's a lot there for people to take away. So thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise with us today. I appreciate the opportunity. Enjoy the day. You too. Thank you very much. And everybody watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.